to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy, and for the next 45 minutes, I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value, and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by Craig Jones. Craig, it's a pleasure to have you on the show once again. And how have things been with you, my friend? Yeah, really good, really good. Just sort of filling the gaps now between the the end of the World Cup and the and the re- resumption of football, a bit of EFL football uh, in the cup for us to watch for these next couple of days. But you know, I'm really excited for Boxing Day and everything, sort of really kicking back into gear and, and getting going. And there's some fantastic games to to look forward to. Glad to hear, mate. And last but certainly not least is Jamie Brown. Jamie, I hope all is well. How have you been since we last spoke? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Dan. And obviously, um, you know, maybe against popular opinion, um, I was delighted with that that uh, final in, in the World Cup. Um, obviously, Messi finally getting over the line and winning that trophy. It was just amazing to kind of see him finally do it. You know, you see all these pictures that p- people have made of these edits of Messi lifting that World Cup. And, um, you know, you finally got real pictures of it happening and uh, it still feels pretty surreal. I think, you know, England were obviously my team to, to kind of follow during that tournament. But, you know, if they weren't to win it, Lionel Messi and Argentina were, were the guys that I wanted to go and do it. I think Messi is, is the guy that absolutely deserved that trophy. So it was an amazing end to the tournament, obviously an unbelievable game. And uh, yeah, just an amazing month of football, really. And uh, really, really enjoyed that World Cup. But uh, yeah, looking forward to, to come back to domestic football now. Um, obviously, you know, the pains of England. Now I've got to follow the pains of, of supporting Spurs again. So, uh, but I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, this, this should be good this year. Yeah, it should be. I mean, as you say, we had a fascinating World Cup, but there's still so much football to chat about, not just this season, even this upcoming week. So we better get cracking. That's all the intros out of the way. Let's get down to business. And of course, before we start, wherever you bet, check first with freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insight. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend, let us know via the odds on podcast hashtag. And who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Okay, where should we start first? Let's have a quick chat about Sunday's World Cup final. Craig, there may be a huge amount of recency bias in this, but do you think that was the best final of all time? Yeah, Dan, there is a a lot of recency bias in this one for me. Um, It was an absolutely great game. I thought the way that the game played out was absolutely perfect for neutrals to enjoy. The big names who we wanted to be involved were involved. We got goals, we had penalties in the game. Extra time, great last-minute saves at the end. And then, of course, obviously the, the drama of a penalty shootout as well to finish off. All of that said, let's all sit here and be honest for a minute. And after an hour of that game, we were all sat a little bit disappointed and, and sort of, fr- I think probably the best way to put it is frustrated that fl- France were playing so poorly. Um, so so after an hour, I, I was, you know, I was fed up of that game in, in many ways and, and just disappointed it didn't turn out as it should. Obviously, the following hours entertainment was absolutely brilliant. And, and I loved it. And it was, it's a great end to a, a great tournament. But in my opinion, probably not the best final just because I was sat there for an hour sort of thinking and, and wasn't really that interested in it. Love the rest of it. Um, but let's not forget the first hour. Sorry to bring that down a bit, but... <laughs> Let's not forget the first hour of football was was pretty poor and and frustrating from my point of view. What came after was special, uh, but we did have an hour of of sort of nothing really. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, if you look back or if you go forward twelve months and look at this World Cup final, you're not going to remember the start. You'll only remember the end, and that's what's going to register in people's minds the most. But it is a fair criticism about the kind of ebb and flow. There was no ebb and flow. It was just all Argentina to start with. But Jamie, in terms of Lionel Messi finally getting his hands on that World Cup trophy, do you think he's finally ended the debate when it comes to being the greatest player of all time? Yeah, well, of course, it's the debate kind of subject to opinion anyway. For me, regardless, had he, have, you know, had he not won that trophy anyway, I, I still consider him as the greatest player of all time, or certainly the greatest player that I've ever watched. Um, I think the way he did it as well, you know, to have won five out of the seven Man of the Match trophies, you know, he really kind of carried this Argentinian team uh, to glory. He was fantastic in that final. And I just think, you know, kind of at age 35, the way he has dragged this team over the line, 
I think, you know, without him, I think they would have been gone a long time ago. Argentina, I, I said kind of throughout the tournament, I wasn't really convinced by them. But, you know, when you've got a guy like Messi in your team, you're always going to stand a chance. I think the way he's, as I said, just the way he's, he's, he's kind of won, helping them win this tournament is really shows why he's the greatest of all time. Um, I said, regardless, had he have won that trophy, I still consider him to be the best. But, you know, he's finally got that, that, that big prize. Um, and yeah, just really delighted because for me, as I said, I just I, I just absolutely love him as a player. Will go down as the greatest ever, and uh, he's got the greatest prize of, of all. So um, yeah, I was I was really pleased with that outcome. I think he he is a guy who thoroughly deserves that award, and uh, you know he's completed that that uh, unbelievable hall of trophies. So yeah, really pleased with that result. Yeah, me too. But that's the World Cup chat on pause now until 2026 because we look towards Boxing Day and a very busy schedule. Craig, Brentford play host to Tottenham that lunchtime. Can the West London outfit take advantage of a lightly depleted Spurs side? Yeah, this is the first game of many that I'm sort of struggling with, I think, over the next few days. Uh, I think it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world if we saw a few strange results over this sort of game week. There's going to be tweaks in the lineup. We've got teams who have had the majority of their team at home. We've got teams who have had pretty much none of their team at home. Players coming back at different periods. We've had some who have come back and maybe trained for a couple of weeks. Some who have come back and, and done pretty much nothing and then straight back into football. So I just think that it's going to be a very strange sort of situation for the next few days from a betting point of view. And I think this game sort of typifies everything. Uh, won't be placing a bet on this game until I see the starting lineups. And obviously that's more... more uh, important for Tottenham than, than anything else. One, one of the things that I would say is that if we go back to the before the World Cup, um, Antonio Conte was already saying that Harry Kane was tired and, and sort of speaking about him and saying that he needed a rest. So it wouldn't be surprised to see him rested here. I think if Kane doesn't play, the, the Tottenham team changes completely and the way that they play and they, they miss that sort of main man up top. And they've got other players who can score, yeah, no problem, but, but they do miss him a lot. I just think sort of the, the preparations for this game have been smoother for Brentford. They've had a fair chunk of their players there. They've been settled. It's sort of easier for them to make decisions with their lineup. They're not looking forward and thinking about planning days off for players and things like that. And, and they, they will be sort of raring to get back into the, the action in the Premier League because most of their players have, have been off other than these sort of organised friendlies that have been going off. Um I'm sorry to say it, but but just sort of based on everything around and, and trying to find a bit of value, I think this is the first upset of the weekend for me. So I, I would have Brentford to beat Spurs. They're three to one. I just think given that there's a lot of thinking and a lot of sort of planning around Tottenham and how they're going to manage the players who's been at the World Cup for the, for the next sort of week or two, Brentford don't really have any of that. Uh, Brentford will just want to get back into football and enjoy it. So uh, so yeah. Three to one, I think, probably a bit too big to ignore, in my opinion. Sorry, boys. <laughs> That's all right. I won't take it personally. But, Jamie, in terms of Spurs, Craig just alluded to it. Surely you have to wait for the lineups to be announced because it's 10 to 11 for a Spurs win, that being away from home. Are you putting money on this one? Or could it be a Boxing Day banana skin for Antonio Conte's men? Yeah, do, do you know what? I'm kind of with Craig here, um, unfortunately. Um, I think, you know, it was a great kind of World Cup from a Spurs perspective in terms of the players doing really well. But, you know, if you factor in them coming back, it's, you know, I think a lot of them are coming back kind of with fatigue. Um, Spurs players, they average more minutes uh, than any other Premier League club at the World Cup. Um, they had the most players in, in the last four of the tournament than any other Premier League team as well. You know, you had some key players going, you know, heavily involved in the tournament. We saw Kane, Son, Perisic, Romero, Richarlison, Bentancur, Lloris, all players that were, were very heavily involved and obviously are going to need time to kind of recover from that. We've seen Bentancur and Richarlison, obviously two two key guys in that team. Um, they're going to be unavailable for this match within due to injury. You know, and then, and then I think you look at it um, from a Brentford perspective. I mean, look, they, they obviously finished the, the first half of the season pretty strong. Um, you know, in the top 10, um, just one defeat in their last five. And obviously they had that massive win over Man City to finish it off. Obviously a 2-1 win away at the Etihad. So they're obviously going to be a decent side. Um, but do you know what? I, I still do think that Spurs will just about have enough quality to get over the line here. I think it's going to be a really tough match. Um 
and, and that's why maybe at that price of 10 to 11, I would probably just steer away because I think there is a chance that Spurs could mess this one up. But as I said, I just think they will have just about enough quality to get over the line here. Um, Kulusevski, I think, is going to be a really key player here for Spurs. Um, obviously, a guy who didn't go to the World Cup. He's a key attacker for Spurs anyway. So I actually like the look of him to score any time. You can get that 11 to 4. Um, I said he's just been such a key player for Spurs. He has been injured, but look, he's had a kind of a, almost a month to really prepare for the, the restart. Um, so I think he's going to be key in this game. I think maybe two other value picks here could be a half-time draw. Spurs win at full-time. Obviously, we've seen Spurs very much a, a second-half team this season. So, you know, maybe a kind of a where you're looking at a result where Spurs come good in the second half and they go on to win it. So, as I said, you know, a half-time half draw, uh, Spurs win at full-time, you get that 4-1. to one. Or, you know, even if you're going really big here, you get a Brentford win at half-time and then at Spurs to kind of turn it around in the second half, as we've seen them do many occasions. Um, and go on to win at full time. You get that at 22 to 1. That's obviously a big price there. Um, but as I said, I think it's going to be an interesting game, this one. I think there is definitely the possibility of an upset. Uh, and that's why I probably would stay clear of that 10 to 11 price. Um, but I think Spurs should just about get the line. I hope they do. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a really interesting game to kind of kick off the Premier League. Now, Craig, there have been over 2.5 goals scored in Tottenham's last four matches, that being in total. You can back the same outcome on to 4-5 to five on Boxing Day. Would such a bet appeal to you? I think it, it normally would, yes. And uh, But sort of given the, the uncertainty, the questions around lineups, what, what we've sort of mentioned for the first two or three minutes of this podcast, the, the fact that it's also the first game back and an early kickoff on Boxing Day, and I think... No is the answer for this specific game. Normally, yes, but, but no for this one. I do think Brentford are going to really give Spurs a game. And I think I would rather side with under 2.5 for that reason. A, a low-scoring, tighter game than we would used to be seeing than this. It's available at evens. And I just think that that sort of the usual game that you would expect isn't going to come. We're going to see Spurs missing maybe one or two of their attacking players. Uh, perhaps a sluggish start due to the, so many players being at the World Cup and all arriving back at different times and, and getting sort of reacquainted with each other. So, so it'd be under for me. Like I say, normally this will be a game where you would think scream goals. Um, but, but I think under in, in the circumstances of this actual game itself. Well, Jamie, Spurs have conceded at least two goals in each of the last five league outings. So surely that's something the Spurs coaching staff will have to address mm -hmm. in the second portion of the season. And maybe that ties in to Craig's underpick that he's just selected. Yeah, look, look, doing my research for this question, I didn't realise quite how bad it was. I mean, only two teams in the top half have conceded more than Spurs this season. That's Brentford and, and Fulham. Spurs have conceded 21 times in the league this season. So, yeah, definitely an area of concern. And, and I think work needs to be done there. Um, I think reinforcements certainly needed in, in the January window in terms of maybe another central defender coming in. I think no Christian Romero is probably going to be a big blow for Spurs. I mean, obviously, that you know, nothing confirmed yet in terms of will he be out. But, you know, considering kind of the celebrations after winning the World Cup, having been such a key player for them, obviously playing the majority of, of games for them, uh, you'd, you'd probably have to assume that he won't be available for this one. Um, and then again, you can kind of see Brentford um, certainly causing Spurs some some issues as well. You know, Ivan Tony, obviously a guy who has been a little bit naughty recently, we've seen in the, in the, in the media. But he's going to be a player who will be on the pitch, unfortunately, from a Spurs perspective. So... Um, actually, maybe a better value for, for a Spurs win would be both teams to score as well, along with the Spurs win, uh, which you can get 11 to 4. I just think with players like Ivan Tony on the pitch, uh, Brentford can cause Spurs some, some difficulties for sure. Obviously, you've got Mbermo as well. So, um, yeah, I, I can see Brentford definitely getting on the score sheet here. And uh, you can get both teams to score a Spurs win at 11 to 4. Lovely stuff. Let's head off to a London derby now as Crystal Palace play host to Fulham. The Eagles have scored in each of their last six home league outings. The Cottagers have scored in each of their last six away. So, Craig, would you be backing both teams to score in this one? Yeah, I think when you look at the stats, both teams to score here. It's available at three to four and it's, a, it's an appealing bat. Um, I think Crystal Palace sort of continue their run of, of in many ways, being two different teams at home and away. Um, they failed to score in three of their last six games, but all of those were away from home. So I'm happy to just write that off just because of the, the difference that we still see from them uh, in terms of their home form and their away form. When you look at Fulham, uh, back at the end of October, they put three goals past Aston Villa and three goals past Leeds and, and they won both of those games. 
In November, they lost two games. But when we look at who they played, they played against Manchester City and Manchester United, two big clubs. But crucially, in terms of this bet as well, despite playing two big clubs and despite losing the game, Fulham managed to score in them both. They were beaten 2-1 in both of those games. So I do think that Palace have got the edge in terms of who wins the game. But Fulham have shown that they've got an ability to score in games that they lose in. Palace, I, I much prefer them when they're at home, which they are here compared to away. Um, yeah, everything sort of points to both teams scoring here. I think it's a really good bet, three to four, yeah. Well, Jamie, there have been over 2.5 goals in 12 of Fulham's last 13 Premier League outings. So would you be backing more of the same odds of 10 to 11 before Boxing Day? Yeah, well, I, I certainly think so. I mean, if you factor in that stat, along with the, you know, you looking at Fulham's goals scored and conceded this season, um, it would have to be a definite yes for this one. I think you know, Fulham scored 24 times, which is obviously really impressive. But uh, equally, they have also conceded 26. So a team that scores a lot, but also has issues in defence. Um, I mean, you, again, you look at kind of the players that will be on the pitch. Obviously, Mitrovic, he should be back. Um, obviously, and, and coming off the back of a decent World Cup as well. I thought he was good at times for, for Serbia. Um, and then, of course, you look from a Palace perspective, they've got some really nice players in attack. The likes of Wilfred Zaha, Eze, Elise. So, you know, nice attacking players on both teams. You look at, again, you just kind of look at how many goals Fulham has scored and conceded. You certainly think there should be uh, plenty of goals. It's, it's going to be such a difficult one to call for me um, in terms of which way this is going to go. Obviously, both teams come into this level on 19 points. So, so really kind of tight matchup. So um, whilst it's kind of difficult to call which way this is going to go, I think it's, it's pretty easy to, to kind of go with the goals. And uh, over 2.5 goals seems, seems a pretty good shout here. Yep, it certainly does. But Craig, as for the game itself, how do you see it panning out? Because Palace have won three and drawn one of their last four Premier League outings with the Cottagers. So do you see all signs pointing to a home win at odds of evens? Yeah, I do. I'm slightly stronger on Crystal Palace than, than what Jamie is. As I sort of mentioned, I think Palace are just a, a different team when you look at the home form and their away form. And it's it's probably, probably worrying for them to see how, how sort of bad they are away in comparison. But given that they're at home here, and I think the, one of the other things is we're sort of talking about teams coming back and how they're all going to handle the break. This is a game that Crystal Palace will want to win. It, it, it's a, a home game where, where they're at the strongest. And it's followed up by a game away at Bournemouth. Now, they are poor on the road, but that's the kind of away game that they'll really target to win. So I just think there'll have been a real emphasis at Crystal Palace on sort of coming back and, and hitting the ground running and getting really going from the off. They've got two games that, that could potentially result in six points. And um, they're not in any kind of relegation trouble and they don't need to start panicking. But they do know that points on the boards, you know, it's vital and it keeps them there. And, and the, you know, there's no sort of reason to believe that Crystal Palace will drop down. But, but this is six vital points when other teams are maybe going to be a bit sluggish and, and coming back a little bit slower. Um, so I, I don't think Fulham have done anything wrong so far this season. Uh, the recent defeats that they've had have been against good teams and they can be excused, but just purely because of their home form, just because I think there's going to be a bit of an emphasis on a strong start back into Premier League action at Crystal Palace, uh, I, I would go with Palace here just about, um, like you said, they're evens. And I think that's a fair shout. Yeah, I think it's a very good price, actually, when you consider Palace's home form. But, Jamie, as for Fulham... Just one point from the past nine. Craig has mentioned there is a caveat, so we shouldn't sort of look into this too much. But do they have to be careful not to be complacent after what we could say a relatively decent start to the Premier League season? Yeah, I mean, it has been a great start to them this season. I think everyone kind of were expecting them to go down straight away. But look, they're obviously ninth in the table currently. I have been really impressed with them. I think kind of when you look at those last three matches, I think it's worth factoring in two things. I think the first thing is Mitrovic. He's just been a massive reason as why they have been so good this season. He was missing for two of those matches. Um, then, you, of course, you look at the fixtures as well. Craig just mentioned there they've had some difficult games in, in that small run of, uh, of fixtures. Uh, Manchester United, they played uh, Man City away and they also had Everton. So, you know, maybe some tough fixtures there. Um, but look, I, I still think Fulham, they're, they're definitely on the right track. I think they're on course for a, a decent season. Um, bearing, you know, kind of hoping that Mitrovic can stay fit for them. Um, and I think now the aim has got to be finishing in the top half. I just think after such a strong kind of opening half of the season, um, I think it's looked really promising. When Mitrovic has been in that team, they've looked like a really, really strong team. Um, so, yeah, I, th I think the aim for them now is, is kind of finishing that top half still. And, um, yeah, I I've been really impressed by them this season. Obviously, you know, regardless of those last three fixtures, um, I, I still think they're going to have a good season for them. 
Right, we're going to go bet building once again, and with Everton playing host to Wolves, we're going to look to construct another winning combo, which means, Craig, as always, I'd like an anytime goal scorer from you, please. Yeah, it's a tough one to uh, to work out this, but I've gone with Raul Jimenez to score any time at 5-2. to two. Um, If Wolves are to get out of their mess that they are in, then then goals are needed. It's, it's very simple. They need goals. And the man who's already at this club, without sort of predicting what they'll do in January, who can do that, is, is Jimenez. And uh, he came off the bench and, and scored a goal against Gillingham in the EFL Cup on Tuesday night. Only a penalty, but a very timely confidence boost for him. And, and he sort of continues to find match sharpness and, and fitness with every minute that he's, that he's back on the pitch now. I don't see many goals here, and I don't think Jimenez will play all of the game either. Um, but he is the man who I do think will, will get one from somewhere. Sort of right place, right time, slot one home, and uh, hopefully get his team moving in the right direction. OK, then, Jamie, with that in mind, what's the over-under on the goals, please? Yeah, obviously, I've you know I've had to kind of do this one uh, last couple of weeks, and it has been I think there's been some pretty tricky ones to call in terms of the over on under on the goals. But here, I think I can pretty emphatically say I think it's going to be under 2.5 goals here. Um, two teams meeting here who have been well short in the goals department this season. Wolves, they've been pretty shocking in front of goal, as, as Craig alluded to. Eight, eight goals all season. Everton as well. You know, they've only scored three more times than Wolves and uh, obviously with 11 goals. So, um, yeah, really disappointing kind of in front of goal from both teams. And, uh, yeah, I, I think under 2.5 goals is, is pretty, pretty much a certainty here. Top shout there. I'm going to go with the cards market. I'm going to keep it really simple and just say that both teams will receive at least a card, be it red or yellow. And let's just recap on those three picks now. Craig has gone for Raul Jimenez to score any time. Jamie's gone for under 2.5 goals. And I've gone for both teams to pick up at least one card. Doesn't matter the colour, red or yellow, one each there. That means odds of 11 to 1 are on offer for this one. £10 on the betting slip, £120 in your back pocket. Hope that comes in just after Christmas and then we're all celebrating together. Right, let's have a quick chat about the game itself now. Craig, Wolves will get the Premier League Juden Lopetegui era underway at Goodison. I guess the one thing that the former Spain boss will have to address is the chronic lack of goals at Molyneux. Certainly is, yeah. It's uh, it's a really difficult game to call this one, Dan. And I think, sort of looking through the games, potentially the toughest game of the week. Um, because, to be honest, there's no real positive for either team at the minute. <laughs> I'm really struggling to find them. Everton... Just sort of touching on them for a second, they won three 0 against Crystal Palace at the end of October, which feels like about three years ago, but but wasn't. Um, and and you sort of they gave the impression that they may be turning a corner, and then they followed that up with three games in which they didn't score and they just picked up one point. Um, Wolves, you know, everything sort of their hopes are pinning on new manager bounce, and can he can Wolves finally get goals in this team? Is there, is there a spark there? They've scored eight goals from 15 league games, which is absolutely dreadful, well well below what is expected. Um, what, what I do think is that sort of the way that Wolves move forward is, is going to rely on, on their goal scoring. If Wolves do manage to find the net, then they've got the quality in the team to get out of there. So if you're looking for a positive, then yeah. Um, Things may work out in the long term, but instant results may be a bit slower to come by. And, and I think that sort of alludes into a lack of goals again here, really. Um, I'm looking at the opposite, sort of under the goals here. There's two, under 2.5 is 8 to 11. Under 1.5 is 11 to 5 if you want a bigger price. And I just get the feeling that this game's either going to be a, a nil-nil and no one scores, or it's just going to be a, someone's going to nick a winner from somewhere. And the, the under 1.5 is where I drop. For, for a bet it's 11 to 5 like I say and you sort of you cover yourself with a 0-0 a 1-0 to Wolves and a 1-0 to Everton there's not many positives for both teams and there's not many goals in both teams either so, so I, it's a funny one to work out but that's sort of roughly where I've dropped in terms of goals under 1.5 at 11 to 5 so goals could be at a premium on Merseyside but Jamie by the same token Everton have quietly slid down the table as Craig has just alluded to they're just on the right side of the relegation zone at the moment. But when you consider the home crowd and Boxing Day, is this going to be a must-win encounter for them? Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Frank Lampard and the players here. They obviously face a wall side who have been pretty abysmal this season so far. Obviously, they're coming to this one rock bottom, having lost nine of their 50 matches this season. But, you know, do you really kind of trust this Everton team to go and get the result? I think, you know, they ended the first half of the season with that humiliating 3-0 defeat against Bournemouth. They also lost in, in the same week. They lost 4-1 in the Cup. 
Um, and then before after that, they lost 2-0 to uh, a Leicester team. So um, I think there's going to be big pressure on them. Um, then as well, obviously, as I mentioned Wolves, they've been kind of really poor. They have changed manager, obviously, Julian Lopetegui's come in as their new coach. And um, they, they are maybe a bit of an unknown entity. Obviously, we saw him win his first match last night um, on, on Tuesday evening. 2-0 against Gillingham, they won. Um, so maybe he can come in and produce a new manager bounce. But I think just given that it's so, they're kind of so unknown at the moment, um, it's, it's kind of difficult to know how they will get on. Um, but look, I, I think I, I said in, in kind of over under on the goals, um, I think this is going to be a game of very few goals. Um, I think we're both teams kind of struggling, in, 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 you know, just in general, both teams struggling in front of goal. Um, I think everything kind of points towards a goalless draw here. I do like the look of that. You get that at 15 to 2. Um, and as I said, just given how, how, how few goals these two teams have scored this season, uh, I think that looks like quite a tempting price. Well, it begs the question, Craig, as to whether Everton can win on Boxing Day. Would you be bold enough to back the new manager bounce and Wolves to win at odds of 11-5? to You know, so Jamie's just alluded to, to one thing that sort of swung me here, and that's the pressure on Everton. Uh, and the fact that Everton's at home, I don't think actually helps them in this situation. Uh, I think that the crowd are, are ready to jump on the back of, of this Everton team at any moment. I wouldn't say I was confident... But yes, I'm, I'm going to put Wolves up as a bet here. Uh, they're, they're 11 to 5. Um, as I mentioned, this game's going to be low scoring. There's going to be few chances. And, it's, you know, let's be honest, it's probably not going to be the best game to watch either. Um, but, but yeah, may, maybe Wolves can just do something and nick a goal from somewhere against an Everton side that, you know, if you look at Everton, they've probably got as many problems and as, que- as many questions to answer as absolutely anyone else in the Premier League right now, even though they're outside of the relegation zone. I just feel that there's going to be pressure on Everton. If, if this game's sort of nil-nil going into the second half, there's going to be pressure on Everton to try and go out there and get a goal and win this game. And maybe Wolves can nick one at the other end from somewhere. It's it's not a game I'm massively involved in. And I do think it'll be low scoring. So if it's if it's a win, it's going to be one nil. But yeah, if push came to shove, I would go with Wolves. Now, Jamie, if we look at this from a half-time, full-time point of view, how do you see the ebb and flow of minutes 45 and 90? Yeah, well, obviously, I kind of gave away my answer here for, for with that nil-nil um, prediction. But uh, something look, that looks quite appealing to me is a draw at half-time and a, and a full-time draw as well. And that's pretty decent value. You can get that at four to one. As I said, I'm just not convinced Everton have, has what it takes to kind of go and get the win here. Wolves come into this one, obviously having had a really poor season and now an unknown entity with a, a new manager. So it is kind of tricky to separate the two teams. So I'm not going to separate them and I'm going to go for a draw here. And uh, as I said, a draw half-time, draw full-time, 4-1. to one. I think that looks like pretty decent value. Right, it's time for our long shot hacker now. We go anywhere in the world on the hunt for odds between 2-1 to one and 5-1. to one. Jamie, you're up first this week. What have you got for me? Yeah, well, obviously, some pretty exciting action this week in kind of the League Cup. I think people are kind of forgetting that Manchester City take on Liverpool on Thursday evening. I think this could be an interesting game to watch. Um, And I'm going to go for a Man City win here. They, of course, are the home side. Um, And, uh, yeah, and I I think they should get better of Liverpool here. I'm going to go combine that with both teams to score as well. So, Man City win, both teams to score. You can get that at 9-4. to Obviously, a, a really interesting game to come back to in the Carabao Cup. Um, and yeah, I'm back in a Man City win and both teams to score at 9-4. to four. Fantastic. And Craig, what have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, I'm saving mine until Boxing Day and I'm going down to League One for my pick. I'm going with Lincoln away at Burton Albion and Lincoln a 2-1 to one to win here. Uh, going against the Burton Albion team who were very, very poor at Barnsley last weekend. Lincoln haven't set the world on fire themselves recently, but they've been playing some good teams. Uh, there's, there's a difference between the top and bottom in terms of quality in League One. Uh, Lincoln have drawn against top-of-the-table Plymouth recently. They've also drawn against Wickham, who are just outside the playoffs and making a good push themselves. Uh, there's no shame in losing away at Shrewsbury, and they, they did beat a struggling Morecambe team as well. Every time I've seen Lincoln play, and this is the sort of the key for me, they, they do attack. They're, they're an attacking team, but they've got a, a lot of pace up front, and that was a real problem for Burton last weekend. They just, I wouldn't say Barnsley are a fast team, but they couldn't cope with the pace of Barnsley down the wings. Uh, so I think Lincoln's going to cause them real trouble. Uh, two to one seems a big price. So yeah, Lincoln away at Burton on Boxing Day for me. Lovely stuff. I'm going to stay on Boxing Day and I'm actually going to go to Goodison Park and I'm backing Wolves to beat Everton. So the Molyneux outfit, as we just mentioned, won in the EFL Cup in midweek as Julian Lopetegui got off to the perfect start as manager. 
In fairness, I'm being clearly seduced by this new manager bounce, but that cup win will allow Wolves to be slightly warmer when they travel to Goodison Park because Everton didn't feature in midweek. And I just feel that when you consider that, the fact they've picked up one point from the last nine, that home crowd pressure, I'm going for the away win odds of 11 to 5. And of course, check out freebets.com for all the latest offers and enhanced odds from all the leading bookmakers. Right, let's pop up some more Premier League matches now. And next up, we're off to the King Power Stadium as Leicester play host to Newcastle. So, the Foxes have kept five clean sheets in their last six outings. Craig, with this in mind, would you be backing both teams not to score for odds of 6-5? to five? Yeah, really solid run that Leicester have put together and they've turned things around in style. And, you know, fair play to them. They deserve a lot of credit for that. If you sort of go back to before the break, we spoke about teams who would either benefit or, or struggle and, and really not want the stoppage to come. And, and I think Leicester were one of the teams that we highlighted that would love to just keep playing. And I think this stoppage will hurt Leicester more than it will hurt a lot of other teams. They've got real momentum behind them and, and they've got to come back and find that rhythm again. So with that in mind, it's not a bet that I'd be steaming in with for your reasons, uh, but it is one that I could still see happening sort of. Newcastle could go and win to nil themselves, which would mean that both teams wouldn't score. Uh, Newcastle are really intriguing for me. I, I want to see if this top four push is a genuine one. I think the next sort of two, maybe three weeks are going to maybe define just what they do in the January transfer window. They're an exciting team to watch and, and a real fascinating team to watch. So this could happen. Uh, and I do think that Newcastle will win this game and could well win to nil themselves. So I do think your bet's a shout, but maybe not for the same reason as, uh, as the Leicester clean sheet. Well, Jamie, the counterpoint to that bet is that Newcastle have won each of their last five league outings. So would you be backing them to pick up where they left off and back the away win odds of 23 to 20? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure I would say yes for this one. Um, I think Newcastle, we know they were fantastic kind of prior to this break for the World Cup. I think they were very much worthy of, of being in, sat in third place at the moment. They won all of their five games prior to that break as well. So coming with, with in great form. I think the, the big question mark for me, I think Craig said it with, with Leicester, um, you know, a team that wouldn't have wanted this break. I think the same can be said of Newcastle for sure. And, and this for me is where maybe the only question mark kind of is hanging over them. You know, did this maybe disrupt their momentum? I think, you know, Newcastle, they'll be, you know, one of a very few sides that will be kind of absolutely gutted at the timing of the World Cup. Um, you know, we, we obviously spoke about how the how this break would interrupt teams or disrupt teams um, and I think Newcastle it might maybe might hinder them and uh, I, I still think though you know just given their form I think it would be very difficult to kind of go against them I think they should be too strong for Leicester here regardless of you know Leicester obviously picking up a little bit obviously four wins from from their last five prior to that break they were doing really well so I think Leicester can cause them maybe some issues here just given their form as well and having picked up a little bit so I actually look, look, like the look of both teams to score here um, I also like the look of a Newcastle win and uh, you can combine them two and get three to one. So I, I quite like the look of that price. And yeah, I, I fancy Newcastle win here. Okay then, Craig, if we take a look at the anytime goal scorer market, Miguel Amron is definitely the man of the moment, or he certainly was pre-World Cup, but will the long pause prove to be his undoing? Do odds of nine to two interest you at all before Boxing Day? I mean, we can we can sit here and talk about Almiron for a while and, and sort of complicate and maybe confuse things as, as we sort of run through his goals that he scored. And But but maybe this one is a bit lucky and this one's a bit lucky. But I think we should just really look at this from a very simple betting point of view. So we've got a player who is 9-2 to two to score any time in this game. And, and that sort of implies that he scores at a rate of around 1-4 in four or 1-5 in five games, roughly based on those odds. Now, he's scored eight in 15 Premier League games so far, which is more than one in two. Uh, so I guess it's just simply a case of sticking with him, really, until he sort of shows that that ratio's falling. And just purely from a, a betting point of view, you know, let, let's forget the, the complex football chat for a minute. Just look at this purely from a betting point of view. Look at those stats, look at the price and offer, and it's it value, and it's just something that we're just going to keep betting on, I think, until, uh, until he proves otherwise. Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with the odds, can you? It's almost buying money if he delivers on Boxing Day we're going to win big but Jamie talking of winning big that's when you finish in the top four so Newcastle priced at 11 to 8 six favourites in the current market which means the bookmakers have them pegged to miss out on Champions League football but Europa League football so is this hesitation that you would also share? Yeah, look, I'm, I'm not particularly confident this one as well. And maybe at that price, I probably would stay clear. Um, I still think there's such a long season ahead, of course. I think there's obviously that, that possibility, as I mentioned, of maybe some of their momentum being disrupted. 
you know, there could be the possibility of some key injuries um, taking place as well. And, and can they sustain that form? I think, you know, we always see from these top teams, they always manage to finish in that, that top six because they're able to sustain it. And, and maybe we see teams that look like they're going to push, the likes of West Ham, obviously Leicester in the past as well, and that they just haven't been able to sustain it. So that will obviously be a big question mark there. Um, you know, they've obviously got some top teams chasing them as well. We're going to have Liverpool, Chelsea and Man United all going to be kind of chasing them. Um, so for me, I, I probably would stay clear at the moment of back in Newcastle to finish in the top four. I still think there's kind of lots of question marks. I said that they're definitely worthy of their place in, in that top four at the moment. But uh, I think there's definitely question marks over whether they can sustain this form. Right, moving on to the South Coast now, as Southampton players to Brighton. Craig, the Saints have lost at the interval and the final whistle in each of their last three outings. Would you fancy Brighton in both halves or to five to two? Yeah, I like Brighton here in this one. I think they're going in the slowly, maybe in the right direction after losing Graham Potter. Uh, the next month we'll sort of see how far that Brighton can really go. Um, a disappointing end before the break when they lost against Aston Villa, but you can forgive them that as the sort of coming together as a new team, new new manager in charge and whatever. Um, for me, Southampton, they sort of looked in all kinds of trouble before the break. And so Nathan Jones has now come in and, and I do like him. And I think long-term, great appointment, but short-term going into the Premier League to try and get them out of the relegation zone is not something I'm really that up on. I don't think that's a, that's a good thing for them. Um, and they've got a very young squad as well. So, you would sort of, you'd hope that Southampton can have a reaction and come back here all guns blazing, but given the lack of maybe characters and experience within that group, I'm not sure if that's possible. So, yeah, I do think it sort of leads up to a Brighton win here. So I will happily take Brighton half-time, Brighton full-time, which is, as you say, 5-2. to two, And I think that's a fair bet against a team who probably are still going to have to find the feet for the next few games under a new boss, but in many ways, look as though they're uh, in desperate need of experience and, and a few characters to pull them out of the position they're in. Now, Jamie, by the same token, there have been over 2.5 goals in each of Brighton's last four outings. So would you be backing more of the same out of 10 to 11? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously interesting with Brighton. I think one issue that a lot of people kind of um, hit them with last year was that they played some great football, but goals were a real an issue. But, you know, this season, that's certainly not been the case. They've scored 23 times in 14 matches. They then face a, a Southampton side who have been poor defensively. They've conceded 27 in their 15 matches. So um, I think there's certainly a good chance of, of some goals for, for the Seagulls. Um, I do like the look of uh, over 2.5 goals and a Brighton win, which you can get at 12 to 5. Um, I think as well. One issue maybe might be for Brighton, obviously no Alexis McAllister. I think we kind of know that, you know, given his involvement in the World Cup and obviously being a key player as well, um, you know, I, I think he is likely to be missing or probably will start from the bench um, if he does play. But look, I, I think, you know, just a word on him. I think everyone, all Premier League fans kind of knew how good he was. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, but I think didn't quite realise just how good he was. I think he was, you know, such a key player in that Argentinian team. Um, you know, they look like I've got a real gem on their hands here. Um, you know, age just 23 as well. So I imagine that he's going to be a player who will kick on. But look, I think Brighton, obviously a, a club that's so well run, um, you know, they're going to be well organised. I think they'll be prepared for, for having no Alexis McAllister, maybe for one or two matches. So I think they should be fine here regardless. And uh, yeah, I do look, like, like the look of goals and uh, a Brighton win here. OK, we're off to Villa Park now and Unai Emery will look to continue his early momentum as that's the Villa boss. So, Craig, can you see Boxing Day being a surprise at Villa Park? How does at least a point for the home side at odds of 11-10 in the double-chance market sound to you? Yeah, I can definitely see it being a bit of a surprise. I, sort of, a couple of days ago when I had a spare half an hour, I was writing some notes down for this podcast and just picking out a few bets that sort of caught my eye initially before seeing what you were asking me and, and actually, Villa or draw on the double chance market is what I'd wrote down for this game prior to knowing you were, you were actually asking me that. So it, it fits in well here. Um, one of the things that I do think that Aston Villa will be under Unai Emery is much tougher to beat than they have been in the past. And I do think that they'll be more capable of grinding out draws. Um, so couple that with the first game back. As we've mentioned, the first game back after the break for these teams. Uh, for Liverpool, it's, it's a time when, you know, their players have all come back at different stages. A few have not left. It's just a bit confusing, I think. They've got an away day on Boxing Day. They've an evening kickoff. They're getting trying to get back into a groove after what's been a very disruptive month. And I just think there's enough against Liverpool and enough hope that Aston Villa can make themselves tougher to beat uh, to sort of put me off Liverpool here and, and go with this double chance. Yeah, I, 
if you sort of forcing me to pick between the two, I would go with the draw. But I think Villa or, or draw on the double chance market is a great way to go. Now, Jamie, with that said, we shouldn't forget that Liverpool did win their last two before the World Cup hiatus. Is 7-10 to too short to back them for a Boxing Day win on the road? Look, I, I think with this one, I, I do fancy Liverpool to just about get the job done. But look, I think I think those odds are, d- are definitely too kind of short for me. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it almost does almost feel like that's a foregone conclusion with those sort of odds. But I think it's definitely worth remembering, you know, the start to life Villa have made under Unai Emery. Obviously, it was back-to-back wins over Manchester United and Brighton. Two strong teams there they've beaten. So I think Villa can kind of maybe frustrate Liverpool here and, and, and there may be the, the chance of an upset. But I just still think that Liverpool should be too good. Obviously, they did finish that first half of the season pretty strong as well. Obviously, they got back-to-back wins themselves. Um, maybe the issues might be that there's a lack of depth in that forward area. You know, we know with Luis Diaz obviously suffering a bit of an injury setback. So they're going to be without him for a while. No Joe Jota as well. Um, but look, obviously, we, we have seen that, you know, they should have their main forwards fresh with the likes of Firmino and Salah not having been at the World Cup. Obviously, Darwin Nunes returning fairly early, obviously, after the group stages. So that true should be ready to go. So I think whilst there is definitely the possibility of the upset, and that's why I probably would be staying away at that price, um, I do still think that Liverpool will win. Um, maybe a better value in terms of if you are going for a Liverpool win, I think um, a, a win for them and both teams to score, you can get that at 11-5. to five. I think that does offer slightly better value. Um, and as I said, I think Villa can cause maybe a bit of an upset here, but uh, I think ultimately Liverpool should be too strong here to, and get the win. Right, before we move on, I'd like a correct score bet from the both of you. It doesn't matter where it is in the world, I just want that outcome spot on. So JB, I'll start with you this week. What have you got for me? Yeah, I mean, with my one, I'm I'm not too kind of pleased with myself for going with this, but I'm going to go for a three 0 win for um for Arsenal. Um, obviously they play uh, West Ham and are at home. Uh, you can get that at eleven to one. Um, obviously the Gunners, that would mean that they'd go eight points clear at the top. Currently five, of course. Um, you know, in terms of their World Cup involvement and then the players they had, I think it was pretty minimal. So um, you know, they had the least players up the top six at the World Cup. So that was obviously really important. Obviously, we've seen them get some really big wins recently. They've had some fantastic form. Eight wins in their last nine matches before the break. They defeated the likes of Wolves, Chelsea, Forest, Leeds, Spurs and Brentford. So they're obviously coming in great form. West Ham as well. They've been really poor. And I think that's maybe gone a little bit under the radar how poor they've been. I think they're now down in 16th at the moment. Um, and uh, yeah, they've lost three games on the bounce as well. So um, I think this should be a pretty emphatic win for the hosts here. Okay then, Craig, what correct score are you hoping for this weekend? Yeah, I'm going back to the game we just spoke about me. I'm going for Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 1 uh, in the evening kickoff, which is available at 7-1. to one. Um, I, I just think that Aston Villa can frustrate Liverpool and, and nick a point here. As I sort of mentioned, I do think that uh, Unai Emery is going to make Aston Villa much tougher to beat than what they have been in the past. And he, he's got off to a, a good start as well. There's plenty of reasons to sort of be a little bit wary of Liverpool, especially at the price that they are. Uh, it has been a disruptive month. It's you know it's away day on Boxing Day, first game back, sort of evening kickoff. So I, I do think that Aston Villa have got enough in in the locker to to frustrate Liverpool. I don't think they can quite win this one, um, but this is where the sort of the draw comes into play. And I just think one one seven to one offers a bit of good value. So yeah, Aston Villa one, Liverpool one for me, seven to one. And of course, check out FreeBets.com for the best insight and betting tips ahead of this weekend. Right, there's a few more Premier League headlines to mop up now, and this time we're off to the league leaders, Arsenal. Mikel Arteta's men play host to West Ham on Boxing Day. Craig, how does an Arsenal win and both teams scoring odds of 12-5 to 5 sound to you? Yeah, I do like Arsenal as the winners here, Dan, and I do think that they're a strong side, and I think for the sake of the title race, even I'm hoping that they hit the ground running again and continue. Um, so, yeah, I do think they will. Um, one thing that I would say, though, is, is that you know, Arsenal have been keeping clean sheets and this is a West Ham team that sort of before the break were, were poor and, and they were underperforming. And I think Jamie's made a really, really good point. We've probably not made enough of, of West Ham's underperformance recently and not really asked enough questions when you think that the likes of sort of Everton and Wolves, for example, and Southampton to a certain extent have, have been really sort of hit hard by the uh, by people in the media and by various podcasts and whatever for playing so poorly. And West Ham have maybe got away with it a little bit. Um I'm not going to steal the thunder of, of Jamie here because I know where you're going with it, with his question. So I'll just answer it really simply and say that the the win to nil market, Arsenal win to nil at, at six to four, 
Uh, and Arsenal win with under 2.5 goals, which is 11 to 4, will be two bets that I would prefer to take on rather than Arsenal with the both teams to score. But I'll not say any more and I'll let Jamie carry on. Right, let's pass the baton to Jamie then. You've just alluded to in your correct score. Craig set you up nicely. So yeah. is there any more logic you can offer for backing Arsenal in the win to nil? Yeah, look, I, I do agree. I think this is the way to go. Obviously mentioned at, at six to four odds. Um, the Gunners, they've obviously been excellent defensively this season. They've got the joint best defensive record in the league. They conceded just 11 times this season. Um, and I think as well, the defence hasn't really been affected by the World Cup. We obviously saw Ben White returning early. Um, William Saliba, I don't think he played even a single minute for, for France as well. So, you know, they're going to come back nice and kind of refreshed. West Ham as well, equally, they've really struggled for goals. You know, not only have they been, you know, just generally a poor side, I think in front of goal, it's, it's been really difficult for them. They've just scored 12 times in 15 matches. So um, I think everything kind of points towards this being a pretty comfortable afternoon for, for Aaron Ramsdale and his defence, unfortunately. Right, let's have a very quick look at the day after as Chelsea play host to Bournemouth. Craig, it's no winning five for the Blues and, more importantly, they've lost their last three. Surely they return to winning ways against the Cherries or to one to three. Yeah, you would think that, Dan, wouldn't you? Um, like you said, they lost three on the bounce before the break and they didn't actually score in the last two of those. Uh, the, the odds of one to three are way, way too short for me to be getting involved there. Um, I, I do think that Chelsea should win. I think if we're talking about teams who were maybe ready for a break and, and wanted the break to come, then then Chelsea are, are one of those teams and they sort of bit of time to regroup. Graham Potter to really find his feet and, and whatever and, and sort of get really acclimatised in the club. So I do think the break will help them. But considering what they did before, one to threes, no way, no way, not for me. Um, I, I don't think I'm quite brave enough to put uh, Bournemouth up as, as winners here. They're, they're eight to one. Um, stranger things have happened, but I, I, you surely Chelsea, but, but the odds on offer here just, just make this a, a complete no bet for me. There's no way I would back a team at one to three who have lost three on the bounce and, and not one in five. Yeah, I can't see it. I mean, as you say, far too short for that. And especially now, Jamie, that Gary O'Neill has been made the permanent Bournemouth boss. News that kind of got looked over in all the World Cup madness. So with all of that, do you think it's the right decision by the club's new owners? Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's another interesting factor. Obviously, the first game for the new owners in charge. So that could be maybe something where Bournemouth really kind of looked to play up to them. Um, I, th I think as well, just on Gary O'Neill, I think there's kind of really no reason why he shouldn't have been given this job. I think he was certainly deserving of it. I think he's done an amazing job in kind of turning this Bournemouth team around. I think if you kind of analyse their squad, it looked like a team that was very much destined to kind of finish almost 20th place. I mean, you look at that squad, it does seem really poor. You look at where the Premier League quality is and it, it's difficult to kind of find that. Um, and as well, you know, under Scott Parker, they certainly looked like they were going that way as well. So, I think he's done a great job in turning them around. Obviously, 14th in the table. Um, they finished um, before the break with a big 3-0 win over Everton. Obviously, threw into the next round of the EFL Cup as well. So, look, I, I think Gary Neal, certainly earned that job. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to kind of see what he does now. Now he's, now he's that permanent manager. There's also Manchester United playing host to Nottingham Forest that same day. Craig, what would you say the tale of the tape is for this one? I mean, in many ways, you can pretty much copy and paste what we've just said about Chelsea, really. And I, I do think that Manchester United should win this game. But again, there's similar odds to Chelsea. Manchester United are 3-10. to 10 And there's, there's no way that I would back Manchester United at that price um, at home against anyone, really. I think they've had the sort of the same level of disruption over the World Cup as, as many other teams have. And they've had their players arriving back at different spells and they've had some not go. And, but they've also had the Cristiano Ronaldo factor in there. And let's not forget that, you know, it's... Um, it's a big change for the club and it's it's a big change for the dressing room as well. And it's, it's maybe not going to be as tough because they've had the World Cup in between to sort of get over it. And team the team, or, or at least part of the team, have been together without much pressure on them and without Ronaldo there. But ultimately, you know, this, um, this is a team that does sort of need to move onwards and, and there is a few things hanging over them. So, yes, they should win. Uh, no, I'm not brave enough to put up Nottingham Forest. But again, sort of the odds of three to ten are really off-putting. That's nowhere near enough for, for me to be getting involved in this one. For a team that's, you know, had a, a very strange off-the-field, let's say six weeks or whatever. Now, Jamie, when you add the Ronaldo factor to the fact that Forrest have picked up four points from the last two league outings, would you be tempted by the double chance for the visitors, odds of 12 to 5? Can they catch the Red Devils cold? 
I, I would say for this one, I think it's unlikely. Um, I still, I've been fairly impressed with Manchester United. Obviously, only three points off off the top four, which is not too bad for a team that maybe has looked like they have been struggling. I think there has to be credit go to Nottingham Forest as well. Obviously, just one defeat in their last five which has been a bit a slightly impressive turnaround. But I think for Manchester United, they should be probably too strong here. Um, as I said, they, you know, they, they aren't doing too badly in terms of that race of the top four, only three points off. Uh, they also have a game in hand over Spurs as well, who are occupying that, that final place in the top four. Um, so, yeah, I think Manchester United should just be strong enough here. I don't think they've been too heavily impacted by the World Cup either. Um, and regardless of maybe some of the off-field goings, during the World Cup, obviously, with Ronaldo, um, I still think Man United will be we're too strong here. OK, then, it's time for our final bit of business. It's the return of the odds on threefold. We all pick a leg each, combine it into an acker, we try and go for bets over one to two, but less than evens, and let's see if we can get another winner over the line. Craig, you're up first. What have you got for me? Yeah, I'm going to go down to the Championship for my pick, Dan, on Boxing Day, and I'm going with a Middlesbrough victory over Wigan Athletic. Uh, Middlesbrough turned the corner a couple of months ago and were going well into the break. Um, if you look at their last games, they, they've won four and drawn one in a spell of five games. They did lose to Burnley uh, last weekend, but, you know, take nothing away from them for that. Burnley are top of the league for a reason. Um, we've seen Middlesbrough move in the right direction, which is the complete opposite of what their opponents Wigan are doing. Now, Wigan have, have brought in Colo Torre as new boss. Uh, he got his reign underway uh, they were beaten by Sheffield United at the weekend. Um, Wigan have just won one of their last six games. That was a home game against Blackpool, who are themselves sort of not really pulling up any trees. Um, I just see that Wigan sort of started well, and they've just they're on a slippery slope downwards, and, and they're just showing no signs of sort of coming back into this uh, this division. And they could well end up in a relegation battle, unfortunately for them. So. It's the team who's going in the right direction for me as opposed to the wrong direction. It's Middlesbrough to beat Wigan on Boxing Day in the Championship. That's a top shout. Jamie, what have you got up your sleeve? Yeah, obviously I alluded alluded to it earlier in the show in terms of Manchester United win. Um, I'm going to add that with uh, over 2.5 goals, uh, which you can get at 10 to 11. I think United, they've scored 20 goals this season in the league and uh, I think they can get a few here. Um, I don't think Nottingham Forest are kind of strong enough to maybe cause an upset and get something from this match, as I said. But uh, I think they can maybe scare Man United somewhat with, with maybe adding a goal. Uh, but I think Manchester United should be too strong here for Nottingham Forest. And I'm going to go for a Man United win and over 2.5 goals at 10 to 11. Very nice. I'm going to go to the Premier League as well. I'm going to go with league leaders Arsenal and they play West Ham, as we just mentioned. The Gunners have won seven of their last eight and will be keen to get out of the traps quickly now that the season has resumed. Add the fact the Hammers have lost each of the last three league outings and I can only see that run being extended to four on Boxing Day. With that in mind, I'm backing the Gunners to win at odds of one to two. Right, that brings us to full time. So I just need to do the admin before we wrap up. As mentioned before, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the free bets website. And now I just need to thank my duo of top guests. Craig, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, thanks very much, Dan. Really looking forward to the uh, Premier League getting back going and, and some good games over the next few days to enjoy while we've got the, uh, the festive period and a few days off work. Absolutely. And Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Yeah, all good. Thanks, Dan. And again, yeah, obviously equally as excited for the Premier League to be back. Um, obviously, we had a fantastic month of football watching the World Cup. Um, but yeah, just excited for domestic football now. And uh, I think it should be some good games coming up. Cheers, mate. And also to the listeners out there. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>